1: As we focus in on the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews, we notice that it is marked with obedience. Today, we'll see it's also marked with choices. Join us. from Valley Bible Church right here in Hercules. Hi there and welcome. This is Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time returns us to Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at verses 23 through 28 and we're looking at the life of Moses. Now obviously Moses was a man of great faith and we see that through his obedience, but there are also choices involved in his life. So let's take a look at what it means to choose wisely. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast now Truth For Today.
2: By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. What is he doing in Hebrews 11? He's going through a litany of Old Testament characters and telling us how people who live by faith, how they behave. Listen to this verse in chapter 10, verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. To shrink back is to be destroyed. But we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. There are people of faith and people of unbelief. People who believe God and make their choices on that and people that God is not in their mind, on anything they choose. You can't get through life without choices. You can't get through life without choices. And I'm just amazed at what you can choose to do by the time you're 21. When I grew up, most of the people I knew were married by 21. Today, they hold off a long time. They just move in together. Why get married? Okay, well, I grew up when, well, you ought to get married. If you get the girl pregnant, you ought to marry her. That doesn't go today. So I grew up that probably three of life's greatest decisions were made before you were 21. Most people chose before they were 21, at one time, they chose whether they were going to take Jesus Christ as their Savior or not. Most people are saved as children, very young. Carolyn used to always say, the majority of our budget ought to go to the children's ministry. That's when she was over children's ministry. Because she said, that's where the most are saved. You pour all this money on adults, and fewer adults come to Christ than kids. It's just the statistics are that way. Uh, But besides that, uh, let's say... Choose God, not. Two, choose to be married or not. And most people, and uh, I'm talking about when I grew up, uh, usually made the decision to marry by the time they were 21. And a lot of times not very good at choosing. They didn't know how to choose. Uh, and didn't last long. Third thing is they choose their vocation for life. And let me ask you, how many 19-year-olds know what they ought to do for life? I grew up, you graduate from high school on Friday, and you get a job on Monday. Anybody know about that? Yeah, different day. You don't just lay around, and I'm trying to find myself. Well, until you find yourself, get a job. I'm trying to... No, uh, my meaning and purpose. Until you do that, take out the garbage, mow the lawn, and get your booty in gear. Anybody grow up that way? Oh, man, I'm talking to the senior service right here. Young people say, get off my case. Uh, We didn't hang out at Starbucks. We just didn't. And we didn't know what lattes were. Uh, It was just make it. But I... I want to give a quote from Robert Frost's famous, famous poem. And I'm going to just take the last stanza that is the famous part of it. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And so here's this picture in Frost, The Road Not Taken. He sees himself at a point in his life, and he, as the poet puts it in the woods, and he describes in the poem, he saw two different paths. They seem to be equally worn, and, and he has to make a choice. And he happened to look over at this one that didn't look worn. It, it looked uh, untraveled, a- and he wrestles, I'm going to take that one. And we see in the life of Moses, first of all, the choices his parents made concerning this beautiful baby God gave them. Something in the narrative says that from the beginning, the parents felt there was something beautiful, something destined about this baby. When you read the sermon of Stephen on Moses in Acts 7, He says that God saw him as something special. And the parents think of this. What would you do when the king of Egypt has declared Hebrew genocide? Kill off every male child that is born. Eliminate them. If you keep them, you risk being killed by the pharaoh. Because the Jewish population is growing too quick. We can't handle it. We feel threatened by them. Kill the boys. Kill the boys. So mom and dad have this baby boy. Now they'd already had Aaron. They'd had Miriam. And here comes Moses. And they had to make a choice. And guess what they did? For three months they hid this baby. And there is a tradition that says that the Egyptians went from house to house to Jewish homes and they would pinch their own baby. They would take an infant, pinch that baby, and make the baby cry because they say a crying baby makes other babies cry. They did whatever they could to ferret out Hebrew children being hid. And in the midst of this, after three months, I mean, imagine this. Let's take a basket. Let's put tar and pitch on it inside and out. And let's go down to the Nile River. I've seen the Nile River. It is wide. Crocodiles are still there. The cobra's there. I mean, imagine you as a mother that already knows I've got a beautiful child. God just put in my arms. And me go out here. And say, with the dad, in the narrative it doesn't mention, but dad was involved in the Septuagint, it includes the father. That they go down there and just imagine, we've already risked our lives for three months. Now, Moses, we commit you to the Nile and to God. They made a choice. They made a choice to trust God with their baby. They made a choice to go against the law of the land to obey God. It's a good question to ask ourselves. When is it right to disobey government? Is it ever right to disobey government? You remember what Peter said when they were threatened with being imprisoned in Acts 5? It's better to please God than man. We will please God. I, I don't know. Are you under the higher legislation of heaven? You've got to abort this child. No, I don't. You've got to do what we say because we make infallible rules in D.C. And whatever the Pharaoh says, do it. No, you need to get enough gumption. Are you more a Christian than an American? Now they're not synonymous. Uh, Well, That's hard on you flag lovers. Don't tell me about World War II. I was born during it. Had plenty of family in it. Her father was at Iwo Jima. But America isn't equal to Christian. Right. No. It is not. We've just been privileged. To have so many religious liberties. All these years. But do you bow. To whose authority. If everything is jeopardized. I think of this. I, I don't. I'm not raising children anymore. I'm, I'm working on grandchildren. But. Don't throw your kids away to the pagan school district. Show up at PTA. Show up and speak up. And don't be passive parents in a wicked culture. Fight by the faith in God. Fight for your children. Do you have any time for them? Or does iPads? In TV and Disney World, who gives a wonderful, godly worldview. Tape, sarcasm intended. They, by faith, chose to trust this baby, beautiful boy, to the waters of the Nile and saying, we have risked ourselves for three months. It seems it will be impossible to protect this baby any longer. I, I can't imagine the words between uh, husband and wife, at that river. By faith, they committed him to the river and to God. Then we pick up the life of Moses himself. And what kind of choices does he make by faith? Let me uh, say this. If you do anything that's not of faith, it is sin. Romans fourteen twenty three. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And the idea is anything you choose in life, if God is not in the mix, if God is not the determining influence, his word, what he says, do you consider his word in all your choices? That's the idea. Are you exercising? I will do it God's way. If you don't, you've automatically sinned. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, you cannot please God. If you will not believe him, if you will not trust his word, uh, he said, you can never win God's favor. You give a million dollars in the offering today and we would cash it. But you wouldn't please God. And you couldn't go to heaven based on your gift. God is calling every one of us, trust me above all others. And so we see in the life of Moses, three periods of his life, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years with a bunch of bleeding sheep, and 40 years with a bunch of complaining Jews. Which one would you choose? Three periods of his life, the treasures of Egypt, the loneliness of the Midian desert, and 40 years leading people that were not very grateful for his leadership. But he was there listen to what he did. Faith, first of all, chooses what to refuse. Proverbs says that if you love the truth, you will hate evil. Some people, you get the feeling, I love the truth, but I'm neutral about evil. To love one is to hate the other. Jesus said, if you don't prefer me above all others, if you don't hate mother, father, brother, and sister, and it's a comparative, if all other loves are not compared to nearly hate, I must be be the supreme affection of your life and your choices. All other loves would seem like hate, for he is the ultimate word in my life. And what does it say that Moses did when he came of age? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. First thing he did. He, uh, he chose to give up the privileges of Egypt. Josephus, in uh, Jewish tradition, says he was educated in the courts of Pharaoh by the daughter. It's believed that this daughter uh, was the only child of the Pharaoh at this time. So Moses stood in line to be a princess, to be an heir. But, At about the age of 40, he made a choice. And his choice was what he refused. I refuse the privilege, the power, and the position that Egypt affords me. Then in verse 25, it says that he refused the pleasures, the fleeting pleasures of sin. I sure wish... We could make sin look terrible and not so good. But I'm telling you, it looks so good. Why in the world does sin attract so many people? Why did it attract you? It's in our nature. It's in our human nature. Until we come to Christ, we have a human nature that has an appetite For what sin puts on the menu. Whatever that is. Lust. Money. Power. Fun. And and yet you're amazed at what a little sin. A little sin can go a long ways. Let's talk about 21 years of age again. Move it up if you want. Let's, Let's make it what you did by the time you were 30. One night. One night of fun could have left you pregnant. One night, got you hooked on a drug that you've been trying to fight ever since. One night, you lost a buddy on a uh, chicken daredevil trip. One night, my girlfriend was killed while I drove the car drunk. One night, I did it. And all the time, we were having fun. We were having a great time. Just one night, one time. I had a friend tell me when he got hooked on heroin, he said, I had one hit and became addicted from then on. He said, it was the greatest thing I'd ever experienced, and I had an appetite that I couldn't control. Sin, it looked so good. And even the people of God in Scripture would envy the wicked who were having a good time. They would see them doing so well. If you read the 21st chapter of Job, he's describing, man, they're doing good. There seems to be no pain in their death. Their children inherit well. Uh, All is well. Everything is great. It is just wonderful. And the psalmist said in Psalm 73, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I nearly gave up faith in God they're doing great. That Look what they've got without God. Look at Howard Hughes, if you ever read his life. All the wealth, wealth, wealth. And yet, the last 10 years of his life, one of the loneliest men, one of the men so uh, gripped by phobias that he would uh, rent suites and he would put up tents, and Didn't want to catch any germs. And uh, he was one of the loneliest men that ever lived. And yet he was over millions of dollars. But it looked so good. You read these stars. And if you read People magazine to keep your spiritual life up. And things like, you know, when when you see all these celebrities and you get behind the scenes. They're divorcing this. They're breaking up here. They're this. They're. It it just all but it looks so good going in. Someone said the devil always keeps his apples polished. There. But you don't know if there's poison in it. I just want a bite. Just a bite. I just want to taste it. Uh, don't You want to do this, son. Don't do this, dad. I want to do it for myself. Oh, no, you don't. You can only commit suicide once you don't come back. And here Moses had the ability to look at sin in some way. He said, it's passing. It's passing. Let me tell you, I've been in Egypt. I hadn't seen anything in there worth staying about. I've been to the pyramids. I think this is the best you got. And desert fleas, heat, cold at night. And they go to the museum there in Cairo and see all these mummies and all these people that had the best Egypt could afford. And Moses says, I give up Egypt's best. I will not be her emperor. I will not be her prime minister. And I refuse the passing pleasures of sin. And then he said he gave up the treasure chest of Egypt. He gave them up. He made a choice about what he refused. But now, let me tell you the things he chose. I have, uh, let's see. I got five of them. First, he chose to suffer with the people of God. Verse 25. I'd rather suffer... With the people of God, than to be the prime minister of Egypt. Faith enables you to do that. Because on an earthly level, we want the tangible, we want the good life, uh, we want advantage, education, materialism. I mean, that's just human. That's just human. But he's describing what faith choices look like. If you ever read the life of William Borden, inherited a huge. Inheritance. But in his early 20s, William Borden was converted. And guess what he got a burden for? He got a burden for the people of Egypt. He got rid of most of his fortune and he goes down to Egypt and dies within three months from malaria. What a fool! What a fool! What a fool! Nate Saint, Jim Elliot, three other men, 1950s, cover of Time magazine. Then it was Life magazine. So we think there's a bunch of savages down in Ecuador that are going to hell. And we've gone to Moody Bible College and one of them became an aviator. We think we will risk our life to go reach these people Because we think a man's eternal destiny is worth expending ourselves for. Go down there. And they flew their mission daily. They finally found a place in the river. They dropped gifts. They tried to build. They thought they built some relationship with the headhunters in that area. By dropping them utensils and things they could use. And finally they land on the river. And they go out. And one of the men, they panicked and they shot their arrows in them and five bodies wind up in the river. And one of them wrote before he ever went there when he was in Wheaton as a student, Jim Elliott wrote, it it won't be a fool who gives up what he can't keep his life because what's a life? You're going to die anyway. The issue is what will you die doing?
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard.